Hi everybody and welcome back. We are once again talking about sex today. I'm someone that personally has had a very strange relationship with sex and my sex drive. There's been times in my life where I've questioned being asexual because I had absolutely no desire to be touched or have sex. However, it was coming from a place of being traumatized. But there have also been times where my sex drive has been completely out of control. It's never consistent and has been very frustrating for partners that I've had. So yeah, I'll get more into my business towards the end. But let's get into it. So one of the most common challenges couples face in their relationships is sex. And more specifically, differences in desire. There are two main types of desire that are commonly experienced, and that's spontaneous desire and responsive desire. So spontaneous desire is seemingly more common among men and also habitual porn consumers. It is most often often displayed in porn and other media because it's interesting and exciting. For example, in a rom-com, when two people look at each other across the bar and then the next moment they're fucking in the bathroom. It's seen all the time in media. People with this desire type usually get the desire and drive to have sex without any touch or foreplay. Foreplay with a broad meaning, including loving, intimate conversation. The thought comes before the action for people with the spontaneous desire type. On the other hand, responsive desire doesn't seem to just come out of nowhere, but instead is just a response to sexual arousal. What this means is that someone with this desire type may decide to engage in sexual activity like, say they just start making out with someone, before they're actually turned on, and the arousal is a result of this process. This is way more common among women, especially women that don't have sex at the forefront of their mind at all times. You also don't have to be one or another. Most people will experience both at different times in their life with different partners. It also doesn't have to do with your attraction to your partner. Just because you don't constantly want to have spontaneous sex, it doesn't mean that you just aren't that attracted to them. There does not mean that at all. Both types are normal and healthy and can have very fulfilling, meaningful sex lives and relationships, even if you and your partner have different desire types. And of course, there's also physical attributions to sex drive. Regular exercise is linked to higher sex drives. Drug use can also affect drive. Stimulants often cause an increase in sex drive while others can decrease it. Um, change in neurotransmitters can highly affect it. For, for example, people with Parkinson's disease may get dopamine replacement therapy, which often causes a high sex drive and sometimes hypersexuality. Um, hormone levels affect it dramatically too. Higher dis- testosterone in men 
usually causes a higher sex drive. But when women go through menopause and experience a decrease in sexual hormones, their drive decreases as well. This can also be affected by birth control and antidepressants um, are very commonly a cause of decrease in sexual desire. A huge, very common cause for a lower sex drive is trauma, specifically sexual trauma. And if the individual developed post-traumatic stress disorder as a result, this can happen for a few different reasons. Usually people with PTSD have high stress and anxiety levels, um, which can impair sexual performance. People with PTSD are often angry, irritated, and feel isolated and distant from their loved ones, which can seriously impede on having intimacy of any kind. Also, I feel like this goes without saying, but if you have intense sexual trauma, sex may be very scary for you. It doesn't feel safe, and it's hard to get in the mood when you're anxious and scared. Um, being touched in the same way as you did during the traumatic event can also be very triggering. Body sensations and physical problems, as well as sexual desire, arousal, or orgasm, are common numbing and intrusive symptoms after sexual assault or rape. As a consequence, traumatized people are more likely to have sexual desire disorders, which I'll get into more later. Trauma could also physically affect sexual response. It's common that people will go to the doctor for vaginismus, which is tightening of vaginal muscles, not allowing penetration or making it very painful, um, erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, and other physical issues. And the doctor will tell them that there's nothing physically wrong with them. And that's because these sexual responses can be psychological. Your body is reacting in a way that's attempting to protect itself from being in a vulnerable position to something potentially painful for you. We've all heard that trauma lives in our bodies, and we're often unaware of it and how it manifests. As trauma specialist Bessel van der Kolk puts in his well-known book, The Body Keeps the Score. The brain says, I'm in pain, I'm in danger, or I'm not in the mood for sex in any way, shape, or form. But it could also say, I want to be hypersexual in order to feel better. Hypersexuality is also known as compulsive sexual behavior disorder, or more commonly, sex addiction. This is when a person has an obsessive fixation on sex, sexual acts, and fantasies. Um, some of the most common characteristics that a hypersexual person includes compulsive sexual behavior, recurring and uncontrollable sexual fantasies, Difficulty establishing and maintaining a relationship with other people, especially a romantic partner, because of their preoccupation with sex. Inability to get 
sexual urges under control and continuing to engage in sexual behaviors and activities even after they've caused harm. So what's the difference? A high sex drive is an increased sexual desire. On the other hand, hypersexuality involves out-of-control feelings and urges to have sex as well as high-frequency sexual behavior. You can develop hypersexuality also when you develop certain other conditions. There's a link between epilepsy and the damage that it can do to your brain and developing hypersexuality as a result. Chemical imbalances in the brain can also cause hypersexuality. Commonly, an imbalance of dopamine can cause hypersexuality. The tendency towards hypersexuality appears especially strong among male trauma survivors, but also can happen with trauma survivors of all genders. When desire and the compulsive need to find relief from negative emotional states gets confused, sex starts to become unhealthy hypersexuality. People look to regulate painful emotions by seeking stimulating environments like clubs, gambling, shopping, vacations, spontaneous sexual encounters, etc. Instead of recognizing one's emotional state and finding a healthy, non-destructive way of coping with it, manic and hypomanic defenses are common in trauma in addition to dissociation as a way of avoiding oneself. Compulsive sexuality is a logical coping strategy to deal with trauma, dissociation, and shame. Sex is a highly stimulating, even intoxicating experience that makes being in one's own skin pleasurable. Men especially may be hypersexual due to the association that men learn between having sex and social acceptance. Shame is an extremely uncomfortable feeling associated with being a social outcast, and being received sexually for many men feels like the antidote to the dark feelings of shameful social exclusion. Um, Here's a quote from an article called Hypersexuality as a Valid Trauma Response by Harriet Clark of the author's personal experience. As a survivor myself, I have experienced hypersexuality. After an assault, I reacted in a way I had never heard about, craving male attention and validation that I could only receive with my body, needing others to touch me so that I could no longer feel my abuser, wanting to use myself the only way I knew how for sex. Whilst the sex was consensual, I received no joy as I was simply performing. I was morphing into whatever partner people wanted, unable to act on desires of my own, which had become clouded with shame. Being bombarded with flashbacks whilst simultaneously eager to please. I was also greeted by an onslaught of slut-shaming and lack of belief of my assault as why would a survivor of assault be so sexually active? Due to my response, I started to doubt my own trauma. 
asking if it was even real. So did you know that there are actual sexual desire disorders? These are very normal and probably more common than you think. We already talked about hypersexuality or compulsive sexual behavior disorder, but I'm going to name a few more common ones. First is hypoactive sexual desire disorder, also called HSDD. It, and it's when you're not interested in sex, have no sex drive or a low sex drive, and it bothers you. It's one of the most common sexual problems that people have. This could be a lifelong concern or it can happen over time and it may be a problem all the time or happen in certain situations. Um, it's also sexual aversion disorder or SAD is defined as persistent or recurrent extreme aversion to and avoidance of all or almost all genital sexual contact with a sexual partner. There's also <clears throat> genital arousal disorder. When you have trouble getting or staying aroused, this can be caused by your hormones, physical health, emotions, experiences, beliefs, lifestyle, and relationships. Um, there's also orgasm disorder, which happens when you don't have orgasms. It takes, or it takes a long time for you to orgasm, um, or you have orgasms less often than you like, or they're not as long as you, as, like, strong as you would like. It's one of the most common sexual problems, and it also, um, tends to be more common among transgender people. Of course, there are ways to work out these disorders and not have them for life. Like I said, a lot of these are psychological and caused by trauma. So often, psychotherapy paired with other remedies such as yoga, which can aid in reconnecting with your body, can be more helpful than you think. Also, I encourage anyone experiencing these to get their hormone levels tested. Talk to uh, your doctor about remedies for balancing your hormones. So what do you do if you and your partner have differences in sex drives? This is so incredibly common because it's impossible for two people to always be in the mood at the same time. Obviously, like I said, if someone is experiencing an extreme sex drive, low or high, there could be both physical and psychological factors. So it's important to talk to a doctor and a mental health professional. But the extremes aren't always the case. Sometimes you, you're you just kind of mismatched. Um, I recommend having the conversation with your partner about what type of sex drive you each have, spontaneous or responsive, and also a conversation about what turns you on. And I'm not even talking about kinks right now. I mean, I mean going out and doing something together or having quality time alone or making a romantic dinner together or if it's intellectual conversation or emotional connection, or in fact, the kinky stuff that makes them want to have sex. The power of knowing what makes your partner feel intimately connected to you is so important because it's weird to expect that just because someone's dating you that they just want to have sex with you all the time, whenever you want. Knowing these things about your partner gives you the ability to literally have intellectual and emotional foreplay without even touching them. 
along with that, this should go without saying, but be understanding and don't pressure someone for sex if they're not in the mood. So my personal experiences. When I was 16, I transferred to public school for the first time where there were more boys than the five that I had known for years and wasn't attracted to. And also I was around queer girls for the first time knowingly. And oh my God, my hormones skyrocketed. My acne has never been worse. I was this disgusting little pimply horny teenager and I was not even close to having sex. When I got in my first sexual relationship, at risk of being repetitive at this point, but my sex drive died immediately because it was a sexually abusive relationship. When you're constantly pushed, coerced, manipulated, and scared into having sex, you tend to not want to have sex anymore. Not only that, but I had seen a doctor multiple times during this relationship because of vaginismus, which again is the tightening of vaginal muscles so it doesn't allow penetration or makes penetration extremely painful. And sex was extremely painful for me for a long time. And I, you know, obviously because I didn't want to be having it, um, but my boundaries were not being respected. Um, the doctor said there was nothing wrong with me and that it was psychological. I had no sexual education at the time because I was so sheltered. Um, and I didn't understand consent and that giving consent in the face of fear and threatening is not actually consent. So after years of that, it also took years of recovery for me to be able to have regular sex or even want to have sex. So this was one of the few points in my life where I just thought I was asexual, but it was a result of trauma. My skin literally like crawled at the thought of being touched. Ever since then, it's been horribly inconsistent and has always depended on who I'm with and my emotional stability. I've been in relationships where the guy is constantly pulling me closer, pushing me away, causing horrible anxiety, and this compulsive need for validation and love. Obviously, in a relationship where you're made to feel so insecure, you take any affection that you can get. I've had relationships that were stable but lazy, where my partner isn't putting in as much effort to mentally stimulate me, but would still be hoping to have sex often. And I've also been single and heartbroken, unable to face the pain I was in. So I turned to get whatever affection and validation I could from men. I've had therapist-ordered periods of celibacy, not because I was having a lot of sex or a lot of partners or anything like that. It wasn't because of that, but because sex was resulting in panic attacks and was just very bad for my mental health. Um, But this was also while I was getting diagnosed with PTSD and was trying to heal and get to an emotionally stable place. Personally, my sex drive has always been psychological for the most part. At least my post 
teenager sex drive, I think it's very possible for me to have a regular, healthy, fulfilling sex life in the future with a partner. And I would hope that my partner would put in work to understand how to foster that intimacy with me emotionally and intellectually without making me feel insecure and chase them for validation. Um, But yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm going to wrap it up here. I hope you learned something new in this episode. Differences in sex drives are so normal. And as you can tell, there are so many contributing factors to your sex drive. If you have something that you're worried about or your sex drive is affecting your everyday life and ability to form and keep intimate relationships, I know I've said this already, but please talk to a doctor and a mental health professional. Um, But yeah, thank you for listening and have a great week.